Father, we thank you for this morning that we can come. God, that we can come before your altar and give back the very breath that you breathe into our lungs. Father, we pray that you were glorified in our worship. God, that you were honored. And Father, we ask this morning, God, that you would speak to us through your word. God, let us not leave this place unchanged today. Have your way in us, Lord. God, we give you the rest of this morning. We just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Philip. Thank you, band, for leading us in that amazing music this morning. Thank you so much. You know, I think about that song, will Come to the Altar. I will tell you that God's invitation is always open. It is never closed. There is nothing that you could do. There's nothing that you could ever say to make him love you any less. God's invitation is always open. And that is what Christians, we proclaim that Jesus, the Son of God, came down. He met us at our sinful state. And our sin was placed upon his shoulders as he hung there on the cross. And he bridged that gap between God and man, covering our sin. Forgiveness is offered with the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is the message that we preach. And I would tell you today, if you were here in this room and you've never made that decision, you never made that choice to put your trust, to put your faith in the person of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you can do that today. And I would encourage you to find someone, find myself, find Pastor Philip, find Pastor Kenny, whoever it might be, it. find an adult that you trust, find someone before it's too late. The Apostle Paul said that now is the time, the appointed time for salvation. So today we encourage you as they did in the book of Acts, these apostles, these men of God, these church members, they pleaded to come to Jesus. And that's what we do today is that we are pleading for people to come to Jesus. And so thank you again, uh, Pastor Philip and the band, for leading us this morning in this time of worship and praise. Well, I just got excited this morning when I heard that song, Into Your Glorious Day. Uh, man, the Lord has called us out of our grave to come alive because Jesus Christ is alive. Uh, as Pastor uh, Kenny said, uh, Pastor Lee and uh, a few other people are in Cambodia, and we want to be praying for them as they are help equipping these, these pastors, these ministers. Uh, they're in that country so they can be uh, disciples who in turn make more disciples. And uh, we want to be praying for them because that is a special thing that they are doing. So I want to say a special thanks to Pastor Lee for giving me this opportunity. I really enjoy getting to be with my family, the people I love, uh, the people of God, and I love to share. God's Word, and I'm just so grateful for this opportunity. Several months ago, uh, the Lord actually placed this message on my heart. Uh, I didn't know when I was going to share it. I didn't know how I should share it, if I should share it just to the high school students, or if I could just go up to Pastor Lee, hey, can I preach some, one Sunday? I, I really didn't know, and I just prayed about it. God, give me an opportunity to share this. Well, Pastor Lee sent me an email uh, a few weeks ago and said, hey, I'm going to be gone on the 18th of March. Would you preach for us? And, uh, and so I was like, God, that, that's it right there. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And, you know, I, the Lord just put this on my heart, and it was amazing. And then last week, uh, as Pastor Kenny said, we were up in Canada. Uh, we were watching the live feed, and I know there's probably people watching the live feed now. And we were, as we were watching the live feed, the announcements come up, and Amy Van comes up, as she did this morning on the announcement video. She had no clue what I was going to be preaching on. She had no clue, uh, you know, that I was going to be sharing this this morning. But I believe that God was preparing my heart, and that he's preparing your heart for what is going to be 
talked about today and what our church literally is trying to push at this point in this season of our church. Uh, she also stole one of my lines there um, when she said, if you sit there and you eat and eat and you don't put it into practice, you get fat and lazy. I was going to say that today and you stole my line. I'm, I'm just kidding. You actually terrify me, so I, I, I won't. I'm teasing. So, but... But anyway, so I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Uh, as Pastor Lee has been preaching, and we say it together, and I encourage you to say it with me, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God are all we need, and we need each desperately. And I want you to just think about that real quick. The Word of God. We need God's Word. Amen? God's Word is the thing that points us to the person of Jesus Christ. It is the one that tells us of our sinful state that we are in need of a Savior. It is the one that, it is God's Word that teaches us how to live. It is God's Word that teaches us the message that we go out to proclaim. We need God's Word. We need the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that leads us to the person of Jesus. It is the Spirit of God that empowers the believer to share the gospel and to take out the Great Commission. It is the Spirit of God that confronts us and convicts us of our sin so that we may, that way we may be made holy and be sanctified and be like in the image of Jesus Christ. We need the Spirit of God. It is also our comforter in our time of need. We also need God's people, His people. And today, that's what the message is about is about God's people it is about you that's what the message is about today and as I think about it how we need God's people I desperately need you you desperately need one another we have to have godly fellowship we have to have godly community the world is influencing us to do other things but we need God's people to be together I think about one of the greatest things that the, uh, the greatest thing, excuse me, that the world needs to know is this, is that God loves them. The world needs to know that God loves them. As Pastor Kenny shared that we were up in Canada this past weekend and uh, we just had a wonderful time. Patty Hicks, Steve Searberry, uh, Kenny Smith, myself, and uh, we got to hear the stories of these men and their families of what God has done there in Vancouver, Canada, and the church plant has been there for about eight years, and just to see how God has taken it from the very beginning to where it is now, uh, absolutely amazing. And while we were in Canada, people there are nice. People are kind. They're very friendly. They're very welcoming but there is lostness there in Canada. And I know that there is lostness here, even in Alito, even in Willow Park. Uh, goes out the way, it, it's in Texas, it's in the United States, but there is lostness everywhere. In Canada, the people of Canada, as we were there last week, I saw it and I said, man, these people need to know that God loves them. They need to know this. And so I tell you this, God loves you. You know, I look around this room, Ed, I'm telling you something. God loves you. Cindy, God loves you so much. Austin McDonald, God loves you, my friend. He does. Yes, he does. Amen. You know, I look around. Mr. Dobransky, God loves you. He loves you so much. Natalie Gass, God loves you. And I think about every single person in this room. God loves you with an unconditional love. And that is a message that we need to bring to the world today. And I say that's the greatest thing that the world needs to know. And I would tell you this. I think the greatest thing that the Christian needs to know is this. God wants to use you. 
The greatest thing I believe that the Christian needs to know is that God wants to use you and that we are to be open for God's calling on our lives. God wants to use you. And I look around, James, God wants to use you, my friend. Josh, God wants to use you. Mark, God wants to use you. And I look around this room and I tell you this, that God wants to use you. He had a desire to use you. And know this, he doesn't need you, but he wants to use you. That's an amazing thing to think of. God wants to use you to greater his glory and to further his kingdom. And that is the mission of the church, using God's word, God's spirit, God's people to further his kingdom. That is our mission. This morning, I encourage you to go to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. I'll give you a moment to to find it. And if you don't have your copy of the Lord's Word, there will be some on the screen. Other words will be on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4. Now this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church of Ephesus. He's writing to Christians. And before we kind of get into the scripture, I'll just kind of give you a little outline of what's happening here in chapter 4. The very first part of the chapter, and we're not going to read through that, but in the first part of the chapter, he is urging Christians, he's urging the church to be unified. Well, that's a message we need to hear today, that we need to be, as Christians, we need to be unified. Even in the Christian world today, there is so much separation. We need to be unified. We need to believe and understand and agree that there is only one God, that there is only one Savior, that there is only one Word, that there is only one faith, that there is only one body, and that's through the person of Jesus Christ. And we need to be unified and agree together on that. The next part of it, he is reminding the church of the gifts that God gave to them. So God literally gave the church gifts. And then the other part that we'll read today is how God has given the gifts to individuals to glorify God and to build up each other. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. And I would like to ask out of reverence of reading of God's word that we would stand together as we read his word. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. It says this, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now. And first of all, I tell you, Lord, that we are thankful for you. And we're thankful for Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made on the cross, Lord, that we would have a new life, a new forgiven life in him. 
And God, I ask this morning, right now, during these next few moments, Lord, I just ask for these simple things, that God, your word would not return void. God, it would be sent out as it has a, a task to accomplish, and I pray that you would do so, and that it would not lay on deaf ears, not lay on hardened hearts. God, I pray that you would help us with our response this morning, that our response would glorify you, and that doing so, it would point back to the person of Jesus Christ, to those we come encounter with. God, thank you again for this day. Thank you for this opportunity, and I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. One of my uh, favorite TV shows growing up, one of my all-time favorite TV shows growing up, and Philip Meadows knows what I'm about to say, is the show Seinfeld. How many Seinfeld fans we got here? Woo! Yeah! All right! Yeah, I see 10 people. Uh, how many people just can't stand Seinfeld? Boo! Boo! Okay, no, I'm teasing. I, hey, listen, I, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. I love this. How many, how many of you don't even know what Seinfeld is? Anybody? Okay, yeah, I figured there might be some who don't know what Seinfeld is. But Seinfeld is one of my all-time favorite shows. And Philip and I have had several conversations about Seinfeld. Um, the show, and I'll just kind of give you a little picture of what the show's about. It's about four main characters, and they live in New York City, kind of the Manhattan area. And these four main characters, the first one is the, who the show is about, Jerry Seinfeld, and, and, you know, just known as Jerry. Jerry, he's very funny. He's, he's a comedian. He's very funny. He's a smart aleck. Um, he's very selfish, very self-absorbed, very quirky, but yet the ladies find him charming for some reason. He has a, a new girlfriend every episode. Don't know how that works, but he does. Uh, and then there's Elaine. Elaine is the lady on the show. She brings that balance of, uh, of the male and female there. And then also she's a feminine. So she brings kind of the political balance there on the shows as well. Um, she's nutty. She's funny. Uh, very smart. Uh, and also she can't dance. So if you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. She's a terrible dancer. And then there's probably my favorite character, George. George Costanza. He is lazy. He is cheap. Uh, Mr. Self-Loathing, very vulnerable. Uh, he tends to be pretty neurotic. He thinks everyone is out to get him. He really needs to get a life, but for some reason, he's probably my favorite character. And then there's probably the most lovable character of them all, Kramer, Cosmo Kramer. And if it was not for Cosmo Kramer, that show would probably be incomplete. Amen? For all those fans out there, yeah. Now, Kramer, he's the tall, goofy-looking one. Uh, most lovable character, as I said. He never makes any sense. He, he can never really put a good, coherent thought together. He just never makes any sense. He's tall. He's clumsy. He's erratic. He does nothing, yet makes money. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, he's Jerry's neighbor there at the apartment complex, and uh, he mooches off of Jerry. He mooches off everybody. I mean, he's, he's just such a weird guy, but because of him, the show is complete. Uh, this TV show back in the 90s, it broke records. I mean, broke records left and right. Very, very popular show. And the reason why it's popular, and for those who are true fans, you know what I'm about to say. The reason it was so popular is because the show was about nothing. The show was literally about nothing. I mean, it's amazing how they would put these episodes together, and there was no link to any of it. But the show was really about nothing. And the reason I think because of that, and it was so popular is because, sadly, that's how we live today. If you think about it, people are in the same situation as the sitcom, plotless, 
no clue, aimlessly going from one situation to another situation, unconnected. And even today, most Christians, church members today live even decaffeinated lives. All the lead is gone and like a hamster on a wheel, ever moving, but never arriving anywhere. That was deep, wasn't it? Y'all like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone once told me I was a mile wide and an inch deep. Who's laughing now? That was my mother-in-law. All right, hey, uh, no, I'm teasing. I, I'm just teasing. She's sitting back there. I, that's, I like to tease her. So, but, but I think about this. Uh, as Christians, we do live this lifestyle at times. And we need to break this style of living. We cannot live a pointless, unconnected, or a plotless, unconnected life. Because God wants to use you. He has a divine purpose for you, and he has a role for you amongst his people and out in the world. Therefore, after we realize what God did for us through the person of Jesus Christ, we must respond. Let me say that again. Therefore, after we realize what God did for us through the person of Jesus Christ, we must respond. I really believe that we have trouble responding today. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me give you a little analogy here. How many of you have gotten a text message, but it takes you two, three, 20 days to respond? Uh, raise your hand. Come on now. You know this is the truth. Yeah. And so I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Don't worry. But uh, that, that comes later. Um, but anyways, I think about it. We have trouble responding and as Christians, we are called to respond to the gospel. We are called to respond to God's calling on our lives. Sadly, today, I think we live what I like to call the same old, same old lifestyle, that same old, same old routine. You know, you wake up, that same old bed, you go to that same old bathroom, brush them same old teeth, take that same old shower, you put on them same old clothes, go out and eat that same old breakfast made by that same old wife. Apparently, this is a man's point of view. You get in that same old car, go to that same old job, do that same old work, come back to that same old home with them same old kids, <laughs> eating that same old dinner made by that same old person that made that same old breakfast. And then you put those same old kids to their same old bed, then you come out to that same old living room, turn on them same old shows, and then go back to that same old bed. And the routine keeps going and going and going. We even see this, as I said, in the Christian life today. And I believe because of that, the Apostle Paul is reminding us and urging us about the gifts that God, through Jesus, has given the church and that they must be put into practice to help break these routines. Know this, you were created for purpose, as I said earlier, to become a child of God and to be used for his glory. It is a created purpose. You were made to fulfill your role, your calling, your purpose with God and his people. I think about this beautiful piano right behind me. As Pastor Philip played it so beautifully this morning, it's a gorgeous instrument. I love the piano. What is the purpose of the piano? Yeah, to make a beautiful tune, make beautiful music. But yet when it's sitting there, it's not fulfilling its purpose. So what we call perpetual stagnation. That's a pretty big word for an Azel boy, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. Hey, I learned some stuff at Azel. I paid attention about 20% of the time. And so perpetual stagnation, not doing what you're supposed to do for your purpose. Listen, God created us for purpose and not for fun. 
I really don't believe that God was up there with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's like, you know what? Let's make some folk. Let's just go make some folk. Let's see how good looking and how ugly we can get these people. I don't think that God did that. God didn't create you for fun. He created you for purpose. And like most of us, we spend a lot of time making a living, but not a whole lot of time making a life. Think about that. We just sit back. We just sit there and nothing happens. Just like this piano is doing nothing right now. As godly people, we were created for a purpose. You have a divine calling on your life. I think about this question that I've heard before. Why am I here? You ever heard that question before by an atheist or an agnostic? Why are we here? Well, that question is tied to purpose. If the phone is ringing, somebody else is calling you. Duh. <laughs> think about that. I'll tell you that God is the caller, therefore, you are the callee. I don't know if callee is a word, but that just sounded good. God is the manufacturer, and you are the product. When we are not living out our calling and fulfilling our role, we are just existing. Think about that. When we are not doing what we've been called to do, we are just existing. I want to invite you to, to go back to the scriptures here. Let's go back to verse 11 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. Let's read through this one more time. Now, this is what Paul says. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we, uh, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, I believe that the Apostle Paul in these six verses that we've read so far, I believe he has just a theme in these verses. And I believe that the theme is this. Grow up. Christians, we need to grow up. Now, I'm not saying you're an immature person, you're weird, you're crude, you're rude. That's not what I'm talking about. I think as Christian people in our faith, we need to grow up. <laughs> there is nothing worse than a grown man who will not grow up, right? I mean, ladies, think about it. There's no woman who wants to marry a man who will not grow up, who is immature, who is lazy, who depends on other people to serve him, still lives off of mommy and daddy's dime, who's entitled, ungrateful, uh, just can't amount to anything. We need to grow up as Christian people. Now, I have a couple steps, and I encourage you to write these down. The first part, how do we need to grow up? How do we grow up? I think the first part is this. As Christians, we need to be teachable. We need to be teachable people. I think about my brother and me as we were younger and my dad, he would try to teach us things and we were just not very teachable. We were smart Alex. And I, you know, I've got a great relationship with my dad, had one and he's now with Jesus and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but I think about while he was here on this earth, man, he tried to teach my brother and me, but we were not teachable. I remember one time he came up to me and he was just like, hey son, and I was working on a project. He goes, hey son, let me, let me show you a little secret. And I said, well, don't show me if it's a secret. <laughs> Students, do not speak to your parents that way. Do you understand me? Yes, parents? There you go. All right, all right. So think about that. As Christians, we need to be teachable. How can we be teachable? Well, listen to what he says here, that God gave the church the gifts of the ministers and the teachers. 
We need to listen to our ministers and teachers. And I'm not saying that because I'm on staff as a minister. That's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you this because this is what the role that God has given these men and these women. To be teachers, to help equip you for the service. It is the role of the ministers to help equip and to build up God's people for their created purpose. Which brings us into the second part. And write this down. How do I grow? Understand this. You are called. You are called. Christian, you are called. We are called for the work of ministry. Now, I looked up this word ministry, and I think a lot of times when we think ministry, we're thinking, well, you know, what's going on in our student ministry? Or what's going on in our ladies' ministry? What's going on in our kids' ministry? And we think of just in the confines of this building here. But truthfully, this is what a ministry is. And I looked this up. Ministry is an activity carried out by Christians to express and spread their faith, the prototype being the Great Commission. That's what ministry is. It's an activity that is expressed and carried out by Christians. I understand this, that not everybody is called to stand here behind a pulpit and to preach. Not everybody is called to stand up here on the stage and lead all these people in a time of worship and praise. Not everyone is called to children's ministry. Not everyone is called to students ministry or ladies ministry or senior adult ministry. I understand that not everybody is called to do this, but you still have a ministry. And in your ministry, God has called some of you to be doctors. God in your ministry has called some of you to be teachers, to be coaches, to be accountants, to be students. And the list goes on and on and on. But the bottom line is this, is that God is calling his people to invade hell so that heaven grows. You have a divine calling upon your life. The next purpose I would say, and the next part of growing up is this. We must grow together. We must grow together. Together, that is everyone. That means every single person in this body needs to grow together. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to work in college ministry, and I was the Baptist student ministry director at Vernon College. And I would encourage you, for those college students that are here, about to go back on the spring, or finishing up their spring break, about to go back to school, and for those of you that seniors about to go off to school, I encourage you to get involved in the, the Baptist student ministry there at your school because they are on the campus there. They are there to help you. They are there to equip you. Uh, they're they're there to help support you. And I'll tell you, I loved being in college ministry. It was so much fun. I got to meet people from all across the world that came in to either play sports or just to, just to work on their academics. And I was very grateful for that. We tried to feed the college students about four times a week, and we would prepare big meals for them. We'd have big crowds, and we would share the gospel with them. We would grow with them, have a relationship with them. It was wonderful. Uh, And on Mondays, we would have this lunch around noon, and I would call all the churches in our association and ask, hey, would you feel free, uh, you know, be willing to uh, provide a meal for these college students? There's going to be about, you know, 30, 40, sometimes 50 of them. And if you would bring four or five people to help serve the meal and just really get to know these students, that's, that's all we need. And, you know, most people would be like, yeah, that sounds wonderful. And they would sign up two, three times a semester. There were some people who didn't sign up. And I don't know if it's because, you know, maybe they just didn't have the finances or maybe they just find it important. I really don't know. But these people would come. And I remember this one time, I don't remember which church it was, but these people came and they served the meal. And before the students got there, I, I started talking to this lady. And she was an older lady, and I, and I started, you know, introduced myself, started talking to her, and I was like, so how long have you been a member at this church? She said, well, I've been a member here for over 40 years. And I was like, wow, that's older than me. 
That made her feel real good. Uh, and so, but uh, I was thinking, man, 40 years, you've been around. You know, you've seen everything that that church has gone through mostly. Uh, you've seen where there's been ups and downs. And I was just complimenting her for her, her perseverance in that. And so then I, I started asking her, so, you know, how do you like your pastor? And she was like, well, you know, he's, he's okay. You know, he's okay, preacher. You know, he's been there three years, but I really don't know him all that well. Okay. Well, what about your, you know, your kids' ministry? Well, I, I see kids on Sunday, but I, you know, I really don't know what's going on, what they're being taught, but I sometimes see kids. Well, what about your youth ministry? Well, I see students there, you know, and, and youth there. I uh, don't really know what, you know, what they're doing, but I just, I see them every now and then. And, you know, and the list kind of went on, and then I asked about, you know, how's the music? Well, they sing songs I don't know, and I'm there, but I don't sing. Uh, and then I asked about, well, what about, uh, you know, your senior adult ministry? Oh, well, let me tell you about the senior adult ministry. And she knew everything about the senior adult ministry. Now, let me ask you this. Do, do you see a problem there? Absolutely. Now, I'm not calling this lady out saying that she's a terrible lady. That's not what I'm doing. The problem was is that she was not connected with the body of Christ. We are called to be connected, working with each other. I think about this lady being a member for 40 years and she didn't know what another part of the body was doing. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says that all parts are to take care of each other and are to know what each part is doing. I will tell you this. The first way I think we grow together is that we have to stop missing. We got to stop missing. We need to be here on Sundays. We need to fill up this room. We need to fill up these Sunday school classrooms. We need to be here on Wednesday. We need to be here with God's people. We need to be a part of our connect groups. We need to be a part of our small groups. We need to help serve. We need to be a part of our church body. Matter of fact, the book of Hebrews in chapter 10 says, don't neglect the gathering of the saints as some are in the habit of doing, but you have to continue to do it all the more so to encourage one another, to build up each other until the day of the Lord. Think about that. We have to stop missing. That's why in, in 1 Corinthians 12 it says, when one part suffers, we all suffer. When one part rejoices, we all rejoice. We have to help each other grow. I think different generations, different age groups around here, older people, you need to take some of these younger people under your wing. You need to disciple them. You need to help them. Younger people, you need to take the initiative and find an old person and say, I need your help. I need you to help disciple me. Younger people, you need to take kids and help disciple them. We have to be in the role of growing with one another. Grow up with the church and you grow in the Lord. Why? Because we are to work together in the church and out in the world representing the kingdom, bringing back that which was stole by Satan so that it can be used for the kingdom of God. We are called to live together and to grow together. You know why sometimes the kingdom doesn't have more? Because we have people who leave the kingdom who never found their purpose and therefore they do whatever they do out there and it stays out there. Part of our purpose is to grow together. If you would go back to the scripture, let's go to verse 14. Listen to what this says. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. And that is a result right there of growing together. Verse 15, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Excuse me. Who is the head of the body of the church? 
He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The last part I would say, how do we grow up is this. Find your spiritual gift. Identify your spiritual gift. Now, I'm going to have a little shameless plug here. Um, we uh, have a church app, which is Church of the Crossing app. You can, you can find that if you have Android, if you have iPhone, whatever it is. You can find that on your app store, Google Play. You need to download this app. And in this app, there's a button that says resources. When you click this button resources, the very first thing at the, at the top is spiritual gifts test. Now, I want to encourage every single one of our members in here to take that spiritual gifts test. Take it. Take it today. And the reason why I say take this is because there's a greater picture, picture happening here. When you take it and you get your results, an email is sent to Terry Kubosh, who is working her tail off trying to get everybody plugged in as much as possible. An email is sent to her. So when she comes back tomorrow morning, she needs to have three, 400 emails on her phone, okay? So we want to do that to her, all right? And she will appreciate that, trust me. So we need to take that spiritual gifts test. Even if you already know what your spiritual gift is, I still encourage you to take that test, okay? Um, we are trying our best to get people plugged in for that. And you can also go to our, our website, Church of the Crossing Alito, church, or what is it? CrossingAlito.com, excuse me. And you can find the spiritual gifts test there on the website. Part of growing up and knowing your purpose is that you need to know and use your spiritual gift. I heard a question one time. It was like, why should I know what my spiritual gift is? Now, it wasn't asked to me. It was asked to somebody I know. And I was like, man, that's a great question. But I have two answers for it. The first part, why should I know what my spiritual gift is? Number one, because God wants to reveal himself to you and God wants to pour out his power through you. Think about that. God wants to reveal himself to you and pour out his power through you. The second part is this. If you don't use your spiritual gift or gifts, you won't ever experience spiritual fulfillment in your life because you will not know what the will of God is in your life if you don't know your spiritual gifts. You will not experience spiritual fulfillment in your life if you, are not, if you don't know and you're not using your spiritual gifts. That's huge. We need to know about it. Now, I did some research uh, over the past few months and did some studying about spiritual gifts. And I wrote them down, and I'll go ahead and give you a list, okay? The first spiritual gift is complaining. Okay, obviously you know that's a joke. No, complaining, even by popular demand, popular thought, no, complaining is not a spiritual gift. Matter of fact, in the book of James, it says that it is a sin and that if you complain, that you will be judged. I encourage you today that if we are complainers, and I've been one before, and I'm guilty of it, we are not to complain as Christians. You cannot be a joyful Christian if you're complaining. That's the bottom line. And I encourage you today, if you're involved in that, I don't mean it in a mean way. I just implore you to really repent of that and be joyful in the Lord. And we need to stop complaining because we have been extended love, grace, and mercy. And in doing so, we need to extend that out as well. Now, I just tell you that because someone brought that up to me one time that they thought their spiritual gift was complaining. And I'm telling you, that's, that's not true. But here's the list that I came up with, okay? Uh, I did research through the Bible, through concordances, and you know, uh, uh, what are those other things called? Um, 
whatever. All right. And so I did some studying through all these things. I listened to some uh, pastors and teachers that I trust and know. Uh, Here's the list that I came up and I found 13 spiritual gifts. And you might want to write these down because this is very important. This is in no specific order. The first one, evangelism. The gift of evangelism, having that ability to see lostness, having the ability to go communicate the gospel to reach people for Jesus Christ. Uh, teaching, teaching is the next one. Uh, having the ability to, to communicate God's word and to put it into practice for people to make it very relevant for them. Also, you enjoy studying God's word. The third one that I found, prophecy. The ability to truthfully speak to people You cannot stand hypocrisy. You believe that everything should be right and should be truthful. Number four, this next one I found, service. The ability just to literally pour out your body and to help in situations, whether that's stacking chairs, whether if it's, you know, putting together a set, whether if it's just helping out in just small ministries, you're willing to serve and to give up your body and your time. Next one I found, encouragement. And I believe that this goes beyond just a positive person. I really believe that this is a person who is just so overjoyed with the love of God that it's just verbally and physically expressed through them and that they use their words to help build up each other. Next one I found, exhortation, which is the ability to inspire and to urge people to do the right thing in in honoring God. Next one I found, mercy. Mercy is that you are empathetic and you help people to, and you express empathy to help, uh, help with their needs. Next one, faith, that you just have this visible, visible ability just to express your trust for God and it's very contagious. The next one, intercession. That you have a desire and you know that it's your priority to go to the Father in prayer on any situation. The next one I found, generosity. That you, is, and I think it's even more than just giving up money. I think that you're just willing to give up your time and your efforts to make sure that another person's need is met. Uh, these next two I found, and these are kind of together in the, in the same category, is leadership and administration. Uh, these two are amazing because this is the ability to, in, more than just uh, delegate, but to empower people to do the things that they need to do to help them fulfill their spiritual gift. Next one, hospitality, taking people in, helping them feel welcome, helping them feel loved. And then the last one I found is discernment, having just an amazing ability to see and read a situation, uh, even from a distance at times, just a great amount of wisdom. And these are spiritual gifts that I found in scripture. And these are gifts that God has given to the Christian to use for building up the church and to bring glory to God. Now, I'll just go ahead and tell you that I took that spiritual gifts test and I had three top spiritual gifts. And then there was some, and I think it's on a scale of like one to five. And I had three that were in double digits that were very close together. And then I had some that were kind of in the, you know, five to eight range. And then there were some in the very lower, you know, one to two range. Uh, My top three gifts were evangelism, teaching, and service. Those were the top three on my my personal uh, test. And I will tell you this, when I use my spiritual gifts, I have found this in my life to be true, that when I use my spiritual gifts, that I come alive. I wake up. I mean, I get crazy. I mean, this, that's true. I come alive. Several months ago, Pastor Kenny came up to me after uh, Pastor Lee had asked me to preach, and Brother Kenny said, man, you came alive this morning. What he was actually saying is, dude, you're loud. 
Be quiet. No, he didn't. That's not what he meant. But he said, you came alive. You know what? I want to know why I came alive? Because it's a part of my purpose. Your purpose helps you to come alive. It's like what Jeremiah said in chapter 20. It's like a fire that is shut up in my bones and it expresses itself. Listen, your spiritual gift is linked to your purpose and your purpose causes you to come alive. I think about like Pastor Lee who has the gift of evangelism. And when he's sharing the gospel, whether it's up here at the pulpit on a Sunday or during a funeral or out in public or, or in the hospital. Man, when he does it, he comes alive. Why? Because it's a part of his purpose. I think about Pastor Sean when he's working with these kids and he's encouraging them and he's building them up. Man, he comes alive. Why? Because it's a part of his purpose. I think about Pastor Philip when he's up here leading us in worship and he's expressing his faith. He comes alive. Why? Because it's a part of his purpose. I think about people like Bill Payton, Cindy Smith, who help these middle school students and serve them on Wednesday night. And when they do that, they come alive. Why? Because it's a part of their purpose. I think about Kyle Y, who has the gift of intercession, and you know what I'm talking about. He loves to pray for you, whether if it's in person, whether he sends you an encouraging text message, or leaves a 10-minute voicemail on your phone praying for you. My goodness, he comes alive. Why? Because it's a part of his purpose. I think about a lady like Laura Place, who serves diligently behind the scenes, not to be seen, but when you do see her, she's alive. Why? Because it's a part of her purpose. I think about ladies like Crystal Bissett and Karen Morrow, who are so generous and they help out in this refugee ministry. And when they do, they come alive. Why? Because it's a part of their purpose. I think about a young man like Bryce DeGear who loves to share the word of God to his peers. And when he does so, he comes alive. Why? Because it's a part of his purpose. I think about my wife, Ashley, who has the gift of mercy and she's so empathetic towards people's needs. And when she does that, she comes alive. Why? Because it's a part of her purpose. When I think about like Clay Crawford, who is so hospitable and he takes in these families and he takes in these college students and he makes makes them feel welcome. He makes, makes them feel appreciated. He doesn't just come alive, but as the beat he's saying, he's staying alive. Why? Because it's a part of his purpose. Wake up, O oh sleeper. Rise up from the grave because Jesus is alive in you. Come alive. It is your purpose. In the book of Acts, chapter 13, I'm going to ask Alan if you'll put this verse up. In Acts 13, Verse 36, it says this, after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors and his body saw decay. Now, I'll tell you this, this is a beautiful verse, amazing verse. Now, you might say, really? It says that he died, that his body became worm food. No, this is a beautiful, beautiful verse. You know why? Because it says that David died with a purpose. And he didn't die until he completed his purpose. What a horrible way to die, not even know why you even showed up in the first place. We have a purpose that is called on our life, and we need to use it. We need to serve that purpose. If you do not pursue your calling and your gifts, you're not going to be happy with who you are in the family. That's the bottom line. You're not happy with who you are. That's because you haven't really discovered who you really are. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Here's why some people don't find their place is because their purpose isn't linked to anything bigger than themselves. People, we were not made to live independently. We were made to be in relationship with God. We were made to be in relationship with one another. And that's a part of our purpose. Because we are all pieces of a puzzle. And even if all the pieces are there except for one, it is what? Incomplete. 
We are all pieces of that puzzle that are to fit together. If we want to grow up, we need to find our role. We need to find our purpose. We need to find our calling. Whatever God has gifted you with, when used, it will give him greater glory and will expand his kingdom. Your calling, your purpose, your gifts, even your talents will not only be good here in the church, but it will rub off in the world and God will use it to help confiscate the goods of hell and bring them into the realm of heaven. That's amazing to think about that. God wants to use you so much to build up each other and to bring people to Jesus. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and, and tell you this, that I need your help. Your church, Church of the Crossing, needs your help. We need people to help serve. There are areas that are in desperate need of help, and they need people to help fulfill these roles. And I'll just go ahead and tell you this. In our high school ministry, we need more adult help. I've got two wonderful uh, uh, married couples and Marty and Casey Knight and Jake and Jennifer Weber who are our teachers and they help in, in volunteering. I also have people that help volunteer to bring breakfast. But we need more teachers. If you have the gift of teaching, I need your help. Our students need your help. We also need drivers to help us to, take, uh, to, to go places. I need Wednesday night workers for us because we are struggling in that area. We need adults to be there to help influence these students. Also, with the same with our middle school ministry. Andy Bob would tell you that he needs help in there. He needs help with teachers. He needs help with just volunteers just to, to help be there with the students. I think about camp that's coming up this summer. We need more adult workers and volunteers for camp. We need more drivers. I think about... In our adult ministry, we have two empty rooms on Sunday morning that are designated for adults in the Sunday school hour that are empty right now. We need two teachers to help us out. We need people to fill up those classrooms. We need substitute teachers as well for all the other teachers. We need connect group, uh, host, host homes for connect groups. We have to have these things. I think about in our women's ministry. Excuse me, Shannon needs help. She needs to have ladies help disciple other ladies. She needs help in that. And I think about her coffee bar ministry. She needs help in the coffee bar. She needs people willing to serve in that on Sunday mornings. We were mentioned earlier in the announcements in the children's ministry. There's great need in the children's ministry right now. I'll go ahead and say with our special needs during our first Sunday school hour and then our second hour of our worship service, we need people to be one-on-one -on -one with these special needs kids. They need help. They need, they, uh, our children's ministry needs your help. We need volunteers all across the board. We need people to rock babies. We do. And I know that sounds wonderful, but guess what? We really do need that. We need teachers, or they need two teachers in the children's ministry. We need men to help us out in the cross dogs ministry. Man, you see cars going 30, 40, 50 miles an hour going across Oak Street here. We need men out there to help protect our children. We need Wednesday night workers with the children. Man, we've got two, 300 kids coming up here on a Wednesday night. We feed them. We take care of them. We try to biblically equip them. Man, the children's ministry needs help on Wednesday nights. Think about our worship ministry. If you've got a talent... It, first of all, it needs to be good. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like that time when someone came up, God gave me this song. And then they sang it and you're like, yeah, you need to give that back. Um, <laughs> hey, that, that's rude. Don't laugh at that. No, that's me. No. But I, I think about it. If you have that talent, you need to go see Pastor Philip. You need to help out in our music ministry here. I think about in our men's ministry. This is going to hurt men, but we need a man to rise up and to lead our other men in our men's ministry here. 
I think about David and Sean who are working diligently to try to keep this place clean. We need to help them out in doing our part and being good stewards. We need help with the safety team around here, uh, with, with, uh, with the medical needs, and also with greeters at the doors. We need help with that. Uh, uh, a ministry that's really not being used right now is the James Gang, and most of you know what that is. We need someone to have the gift of administration and leadership to come lead that. We need people to help serve in that ministry. Also, community outreach. We need help with community outreach. If you have the gift of evangelism and service, you need to be there because we need to help reach our town. We need to help reach our community. I want you to tell you something about this, people of God, that we can be a part of the biggest movement that this area has ever seen if the church would do its part and grow up. We could, be, we, we could see the greatest movement of God in this area if we just do our part and grow up. Think about that. God wants to use us. Now listen, I know it's easier said, and do, said, easier said than done, but the truth is we really don't have any excuses. We do not have any excuses. I've heard this excuse before. Listen, I'm just too weak. I don't have enough strength. Well, the book of Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Some people said, listen, I just can't afford to give to that anymore. Well, the book of Psalms, it says that it is God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Some people said, listen, I'm just not experienced. I just don't know what to do. Well, the book of James says, go to God and pray for wisdom and he will give it to you. Some people say, listen, I'm just too worried. And whenever that happens, I build up anxiety. Well, the book of first Peter says, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Some people just say, well, listen, I just don't measure up, man. I just don't have enough courage and I don't think I'm going to do a good job. Well, in the book of first Samuel, it was a young boy named David who killed a, who killed a giant. Some people say, well, listen, I'm just too afraid. And, and I, I just, you know, people are going to say very negative things and they're going to eat me up with their words. Well, in the book of Daniel, it was God who shut the mouths of the lions. And if God can shut the mouths of the lions, he can shut the mouths of people. Listen, some people say, I'm too busy. Therefore, I'm tired. Well, in the book of Matthew, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are tired and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some people will say, I just don't know what to say. Well, in the book of Luke, it's that it is the Holy Spirit's job to give you words in the proper hour. Some people will say, listen, I just have a fear of being alone and I'm going to let down God and I'm going to let down people. But the book of Isaiah says, do not fear, do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you and he will give you strength and he will uphold you with his righteous right hand. Listen, we have no more excuses. We need to serve God and his people. Amen. Now listen, I tell you this as a brother, not being angry, not being you know, upset or anything like this. I tell you because I desperately need you. The kingdom of God needs his people for his purpose. I want to end with this story. And one of the most amazing things that I ever had an opportunity to witness in my life. About six years, a little over six years ago, almost seven years ago, my oldest son Noah was born. And uh, amazing day for my family, me, obviously for Ashley and I. Uh, we were just so overjoyed. My firstborn son, my first child. Uh, amazing. As a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Just an amazing, uh, amazing, surreal feeling in your life. Well, at my last church, I had the opportunity to do the worship ministry. And being in the worship ministry, you're in charge of these screens and all that kind of stuff. And you put it all, all together. Well, um, 
Noah was born on a Sunday, so I missed that Sunday. Well, the next Sunday comes around, and there's a picture that I put up there, and it's me holding Noah for the very first time. And you could just see the joy on my face. You know, you could see Noah's eyes just shut, you know, looking weird and everything. That's just what newborn babies, they look weird. Um, You know what I'm talking about. And so anyways, I'm holding them, and I'm just overjoying this picture. And I share with the congregation that day, and I've shared it here before that When I held Noah for the first time, that's when I realized how much God really loved me, that he would trade his own son for me, that he would trade his own son for the world because God loves people so much that he would give up his only son. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man, I can't do that. I can't give over my child. That that just doesn't make any sense. But yet God did that. And I shared this with the congregation. Now, I didn't know who was there that day. I didn't know uh, how many people were, I don't know how many people were there, but the bottom line is that God had put this message on my heart, and I believe that's part of my gift of evangelism, to share with the world that God gave up his son for them. And I use this story of my son as an example of that. Well, like I said, didn't know who was there that day. Sunday's over, people are hugging me, wanting to see more pictures, things like that. Well, Wednesday comes around, and the guy that was our youth pastor at the time, his name was Rick, we go eat at Pizza Hut that day because they had a buffet, and I'm all about the buffets. Amen. So if you want to treat me to lunch today. Um, anyway, so we go to eat at Pizza Hut. Well, this girl comes up that's our waitress. And this is an absolutely amazing story. She comes up and uh, she takes our drink order. She comes back, brings the drinks to us. And we knew who the young girl was. We had seen her there at the church before. We knew who her family was. And she comes up to us and she goes, uh, hey, I just want to let you know I was at, I was at church on Sunday. We're like, oh, awesome, that, that's wonderful. I hope that you felt encouraged, and, and uh, we're very thankful that you are able to come. And she looked at me, and she said, Nathan, I just want to let you know that the story that you told and the picture that you showed of you holding Noah, it just really spoke to me. And I was like, oh, well, thank you for sharing that. And she starts crying. And, you know, we're just wondering, is she okay? I hope, you know, I hope she's fine. Well, she starts crying, and she said, y'all don't know this, but I'm just a little over six weeks pregnant. Oh, okay, and she's, she starts crying more. And then she says to us, she goes, I was actually scheduled to have an abortion this week. But when you shared your story, God changed my heart. And she shares this, just breaking down in tears. And then she said, when she went home that day, she prayed to God to forgive her and to save her life. Not only because a spiritual gift was used for a purpose, not only was a life saved physically, but a life was saved spiritually. And I want to tell you this, people of God, if the Lord can use me and my baby boy, he can use every single one of you. We have no more excuses. God wants to put you to work for his glory, for his cause, so that we can give him greater glory and further his kingdom. We must serve in the kingdom of God because we are on a battlefield today and we need to be soldiers of Christ for our King. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and I thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that today that we have been convicted. God, I pray through that we have been changed. And I pray today, Lord, we would find our purpose, that we would find our calling on our life, God, here in the church and out in the world. Lord, I pray that we understand that we really have no excuses not to serve, not to be a part of the family of God, because God, we need you, we need your word, and we need each other desperately. So God, I just ask that your message just 
that you've caught our attention today. And Lord, this is hard for me to pray, but I pray you do whatever you can to get our attention, whether that's through suffering, whether that's through famine, whether it's through loss, even a good time. Lord, I just pray that you will get our attention today, that it will be put back upon you. God, I pray that you have received the glory and God, that we have been changed through it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.